Back in the studio, it's a Monday morning. Boy, Browns and Bengals. Woo! Winnable games that become losses on the ledger. Tough to deal with. We will tackle both today here on the We Tackle Life podcast. Buckeyes all over Maryland. Uh, we need to come up with a name for the Rutgers, Maryland portion of the schedule. Uh, it's got to be an ode to Jim Delaney in some way, shape, or form. The former Big Ten commissioner who thought they'd be great additions to the Big Ten Conference. Uh, yeah, well, not in football. They're not. Maryland and Rutgers, the gift that keeps on giving. You know, Tiger Woods and Stevie Williams, his caddy, used to refer to uh, trips to Ohio as um, deposits in their annuity because Tiger won the memorial like six times and he won at Firestone Country Club in the World Series of Golf slash Bridgestone Invitational like five times. The Rutgers in Maryland portion of the schedule for Ohio State is the ultimate get-well card. No matter what ails the Buckeyes, just wait till Rutgers and Maryland come along and you will look like world beaters. But I suppose we should be grateful that on a day Saturday where a lot of weird things happen in college football and a lot of weird things almost happened in college football, uh, it was business as usual for the Buckeyes as they stomped Maryland in the aftermath of uh, just eviscerating Rutgers the week before. All right. First, thanks to Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They are the coffee you should be drinking to start your day, to get you through your day, to finish off your day. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters buying their coffee direct from growers Indonesia, Thailand, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, many other countries around the world. Paul's a discerning buyer. He gets every bean handpicked by people in countries where you'd otherwise have no access to the coffee. Brings it right to you, ships it right to you. Free shipping on orders of $30 or more, and you get more of your money when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE, WETACKLELIFE, in all caps. Yes, they have cocoa chocolate, which is sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, every kind of free you want, except it's not free to buy, but it is very good chocolate. It kind of reminds you of dark chocolate, but it's not chocolate. It's cocoa, which is a cover crop for coffee, and it's much healthier for you. Try that. Try their teas. Try all their coffees, their flavored coffee, their Hunter's Blend, House Blend was Mr. Spielman's personal favorite back in the day when he was joining me here on the podcast, but they're awesome. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, Buckeyes, what do you want me to say? I told you C.J. Stroud was a quarterback. Are you happy now? He is the quarterback. He's clearly a cut above Jack Miller and Kyle McCord, and we don't know, but I would think Quinn Ewers. The more C.J. Stroud ingrains himself as the Buckeyes quarterback, the more realistic their national championship hopes become. Yes, I'm talking national championship again. Because Bama lost. And because Georgia does not look like an offense that can score with Ohio State, although Ohio State's not going to put up 50 points on Georgia. Uh, Although, again, I'm basing that on Clemson not putting up very many points, no touchdowns against Georgia. And Clemson struggles to score against everybody. So maybe Georgia's defense is not that good. We'll find out in coming weeks. But Bama lost, so now everybody thinks, ah, it's wide open. And honestly, given how Ohio State has sort of figured things out offensively, I say that with an asterisk because, you know, Rutgers, Maryland, 
But given how Ohio State appears to have figured some things out offensively, and I'm not going to say defensively. There are people like, oh, they're defense. Oh, they're great. Could I see them play somebody besides Rutgers in Maryland? Like the second half of the schedule is much more cumulatively difficult after this off week. You got Indiana and then you got Penn State. You have Michigan State in the back half. You got Michigan in the end of the year. But again, look, I know there's all this uh, chest pounding about the Big Ten having five teams in the top ten. Okay. Now, hand on your heart, hand on the Bible. How many of those five teams do you think are among the ten best teams in the country? Ohio State, yes, no doubt. Ohio State's a top five team. Iowa? Eh, I don't think I would say, I would not bet my house Iowa's one of the top ten teams in the country. I certainly would not. What's Sean Clifford's situation? Is Sean Clifford back for Penn State? Because if Sean Clifford's out, Penn State is very, 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 very ordinary. Very ordinary. As we saw on Saturday when Tyquan Roberson came in and turned a victory into a loss at Iowa. Michigan, are they a top 10 team? Did you watch them against Nebraska? All the big plays their defense gave up? Woo-wee. That wasn't too impressive. Michigan State, you know what? Of all the teams in the Big Ten right now, I would put Ohio State in a class by itself. I would put Penn State and Iowa kind of in a class by themselves, but i got to know what Sean Clifford's situation is, but a tier below Ohio State. And I'd put Michigan and Michigan State a tier below Penn State and Iowa just because I don't believe in either team's defense yet. So... That's where we are. Ohio State is looking more and more and more like it. No, no I'm not going to say they're looking more and more and more like the 2014 team because that's that's a national championship team. I'm not there yet with the Buckeyes. But they're looking more and more and more like they could be a team that would bounce back from a home loss second game of the year to contend and win it all because they can score. Remember then? It was Virginia Tech, and they couldn't protect JT Barrett, and he looked horrible. Oregon dominated Ohio State on the ground, dominated Ohio State pass rushing, and now Oregon's lost to Stanford, and so Ohio State has gotten some things back together against admittedly bad teams, but they look like they're rolling, and confidence can do a lot for a football team. Okay, let me tackle this topic from Sunday where people were Mad that Alabama's still rated ahead of Ohio State. Alabama's fifth and Ohio State is sixth. Like, this makes any difference. But here's the thing. This is, with Ohio State fans, the thing that makes you subject to people nationally going, what is your deal? Okay, so Bama lost to Texas A&M, and everybody's like, Texas A&M's unranked. They're terrible. What do I mean? Texas A&M is not terrible. As you watch the game, they have athletes comparable to Alabama. And Bama frequently has a game where its defense just can't stop anybody. A couple years ago, it was Mississippi. Years before that, it was Texas A&M with Johnny Manziel. Does anybody think Bama's defense is going to be like a sieve the rest of the year? I don't. Uh, but they, they're not like give up 10 points a game, Bama. But they can score so many points. And that game is a is a Bama win if Jaleel Billingsley, who's been in Nick Saban's doghouse, he thought he couldn't get any deeper in a doghouse. Woo! He dropped a first down pass on Bama's last possession in regulation. That's a first down. 
And if they get that, I would think they're off to the races and they win that game. So uh, that's where we are with uh, Alabama. But Alabama lost to Texas A&M on the road. And everybody's like, oh, they lost to an unranked team. How can they be ahead of Ohio State? Because they lost on the road to a team that has a ton of talent that had underachieved so far. And you lost at home to a team that didn't have its two best defensive players. That's how. So six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't think it makes any difference, but it's always funny how Ohio State fans can see um, only one way through the glass. Not just Ohio State fans, Bama fans too. Every fan group is that way. Georgia's number one Mm. without JT Daniels at quarterback Saturday. They put it on Auburn. That was pretty impressive. Um, UC is number three. Now, let me tell you, Iowa's second. Iowa's not the second best team in the country. We got a lot of problems in this country. We got more problems if Iowa's the second best team. Uh, But UC third, people are like, UC. Hey, you watch UC play. You watch them play Notre Dame at Notre Dame? They beat Temple on Saturday, 52-3, to and they beat Temple like you should beat Temple. I mean, they are a fast, nasty, athletic team. I'll sign up for this right now. I'll sign up for this right now. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati in the playoff. Alabama and Georgia are certainly going to play in the SEC title game. Let's say Bama beats them, Georgia and Alabama each have one loss. Ohio State wins the Big Ten, which they will. Cincinnati coasts, which they will. I know there's always this thing like, oh, nobody wants to see a rematch game. Well, I would make Bama and Georgia play each other in a semi, and I would have Ohio State play Cincy in a semi. Because you want to have people interested in the semis. There it is. Because if you put, first, Cincinnati played Georgia before uh, in the Peach Bowl last year. Ohio State and Alabama would be a monster semifinal, but I just think you should, like Cincinnati and Ohio State, let them fight it out. Let them fight it out for the championship of Ohio and let Bama and Georgia fight it out for the SEC championship. And uh, let's go. Let's get it on, as Mills Lane used to say, the great boxing referee. So that's my take on college football. I continue to be impressed by Michigan State. They beat Rutgers like you should. Uh, I... Cannot believe Oklahoma's number four. They're so lucky to beat Texas. Come on. I don't believe Iowa's two. I don't believe Oklahoma's four. I believe right now the best teams in the country are one Georgia, three Cincinnati, five Bama, six Ohio State. Those are the best teams in the country right now. I give Penn State a 25% chance of winning at Ohio State just because Penn State's defense is really good, but I don't think it's good enough to hold Ohio State below 24 points. And I doubt Penn State can score 24 points. I don't think Ohio State will lose at Indiana. I don't think Ohio State will lose at home to Michigan State. They could lose up there. And I do not believe that Michigan is a viable threat to beat Ohio State. Iowa? No. I don't think Iowa can score enough. But Iowa will play Ohio State to like a 28-17 to 17 final in Indianapolis. Uh, so there you go. That's what I think is on the horizon in college football as we hit the halfway point. First, one other thing. One other thing. It is a failure of just, it's a failure for James Franklin to not have a backup quarterback any better than Taekwon Roberson. Look, I'm sure he might be all that in a couple years and he's dual threat. And 
He stunk Saturday. Stunk. And he comes in with a seven-point lead, and he puts three points on the board. They got 17 points at halftime. They got 20 at the end of the game. I don't know why. It was the second drive. He took them down the field, and they got a field goal. For Ohio State's purposes, they needed Penn State to win that game because you want to play a Penn State team that's undefeated at home, probably at night. You're going to get Iowa at the end anyway, so what Iowa is doesn't matter. Iowa can be a one-loss team then, a two-loss team then. It doesn't matter. Ohio State needed Penn State to win that game. They didn't need it bad, but it's better for Ohio State. Let me put it that way. It's better for Ohio State if Penn State wins that game, and they didn't win that game because of James Franklin. And I get it. The transfer portal, Will Levitt, now the guy who played really well at Ohio State a couple years ago coming in in reserve, he's at Kentucky because he didn't want to sit and wait. And we'll see what Ohio State will have left in the quarterback room because I can't imagine that Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, and Quinn Ewers are going to sit there and hold C.J. Stroud's clipboard for the next two seasons, or season even. Uh, So we'll see where we go. All right, uh, let me remind you that my attorney firm is Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. Check out Willis Spangler Starling to get the best representation when it comes to Will's estate planning, probate, employment law, social security disability, personal injury, and all the other biggies. They're expanding because they're growing, and they're growing because they're great. Willis Spangler, Starling, willisattorneys.com. Where's their physical office? It's on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. Where is that? Just north of Target Home Depot, just north of the Mill Run area, right, on uh, the road adjacent to the interstate. Truman is adjacent to the interstate. So check them out on the east side of I-270, Willis Spangler, Starling Online, willisattorneys.com. Okay, Browns and Bengals. Losers on Sunday. Both should have won. Start with the Bengals because this will be shorter. When Mason Crosby of the Packers misses an extra point and what, three field goals, including a chip shot at the end of regulation, including like another one, I lost track he missed so many field goals. And your guy can't bang one in. I know it's 49 yards, but make the kick. And Joe Burrow Sunday, just Joe Burrow threw two of the dumbest interceptions. Quarterbacks who are great don't throw those interceptions. I have no idea what the second one was. And the first one was just a a bad risk to take in that situation. So there are some great things to talk about with the Bengals. Jamar Chase is lights out. Man, is that guy good. Uh, but the Packers took away Tyler Boyd, and uh, T. Higgins is not giving the Bengals. you got to be able to take advantage when they're bracketing Tyler Boyd. you got to be able to take advantage of that. I thought they didn't take advantage of C.J. Uzama, but the Bengals should have won that game. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Bengals' defense, look, you come out of this game, you're not ba- blaming the Bengals' defense. The Bengals' defense played very well. Devontae Adams does that to everybody. Remember I said Friday? Devontae Adams had like some crazy streak of five catches or more and a bunch of games in a row. Well, he had it again Sunday because, man, was he good. But he does that to everybody. And you held Aaron Rodgers pretty well in check, forced a bunch of field goals. Mason Crosby handed you the game on a silver platter, and you dropped it. So very frustrating. Hopefully Joe Burrow's okay. He went to the hospital with a throat contusion afterward. There's no indication that that's anything serious, but it's never serious until they say it is. 
So I'm just very disappointed, very, very, very disappointed that Joe Burrow couldn't find a way to get his team close enough to win that game and that the Bengals kicker, McLaughlin, couldn't make that field goal to win the game because Mason Crosby ends up making the game-winning field goal and was like, how many chances are you going to give this guy? He made 27 field goals in a row coming into the game, and he missed, 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 missed. Speaking of misses, what a miss by the Browns on Sunday in their loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. I know. I hear you, Browns fans. You're complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining that the officials screwed you in the game. Okay, and I will agree with you. I will agree with you that the pass interference call that converted a fourth down for the Chargers was a bad call. It was a very bad call. It was an egregious call. No argument. But that call did not beat you. When you have a one-point lead and the ball with three minutes and change to go, you put the game away. You put the game away. Or when you have the ball with a minute 30 to go and you are down uh, five, then you have to go score. And they couldn't do that either. You have to be better than the defense was against the Chargers, continuing to allow Justin Herbert to gash you for big plays, including a like a 30-yard pass to the tight end on the first possession of the game-winning touchdown drive where it looked like the Browns thought he was a tackle and he had failed to report his eligibility as a receiver to the officials. They were so far away from him. So... I, I listened to the Browns game on the radio, so I wanted to hear Jimmy Donovan and Doug Deacon, and I was doing some things that I just didn't want to sit in front of the TV and be sedentary all afternoon. So then after listening to the game, you have a picture in your mind of, you know, the home team kind of call of the game and where the home team let down, the home team being the Browns because it's the home radio, the Browns radio team. And then I watched the game last night on DVR fast-forwarding through the in-between play stuff. And I know I've been on this track for a while, and I know there'll be people who will think I'm reaching here, but I don't think I'm reaching here. That, again, the Browns have lost a game because their quarterback couldn't do what you sometimes in the NFL need a quarterback to do and what Every team in the NFL needs a quarterback to be able to do to most likely win a Super Bowl. I know. Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson, I get it. There are some who can win a Super Bowl without a great quarterback who can take you down the field when you need to be taken down the field, no matter what the situation, figures out a way to get it done. But by and large, most teams that win a Super Bowl have a transformative quarterback. And when the Browns, leading by a point on third and 10, run the ball, run the ball, a draw play to Kareem Hunt. Now, I like Kareem Hunt. He's really good. But on third and 10, instead of putting the game on the hand of, on the arm of Baker Mayfield, you run the ball. That's 
a very revealing look at what the Browns think of Baker Mayfield. It just is. Oh, you people love Baker and his commercials and his chutzpah and his every, you know, me against the world crap that he brings to you because, you know, he's certainly not a guy who people expected to ever do anything, being the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick in the NFL. But if you watch Josh Allen last night for the Buffalo Bills, that guy's in Baker Mayfield's draft class. Lamar Jackson's in Baker Mayfield's draft class. And you're like, hmm, what's going on here? Sam Darnold, now the Carolina Panthers have cooled off a little bit. But again, and then at the end of the game, 131 to go, that's an eternity in the NFL, and I know you need a touchdown. But could you get the ball across midfield? Dink, 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 dink. It's all they did. Dink the ball. Dink, here, out of the backfield, to the back, to the back, to Kareem Hunt, to this guy, to this guy. And he can't rip it down the field. You don't trust him to rip it down the field in that situation? Get you into position where you may be thrown into the end zone from the 20 or the 15? Ah, uh, that, wow. That's my reaction. Wow. So, uh, there we are. And by the way, I've been on this train a while too, and I continue to believe that I'm right. When are the Browns going to realize that Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield do not fit together? I've heard this, wow, they're getting to know each other. It's been well over a year. Well over a year. And Odell Beckham, after catching two of seven targets for 27 yards last week, comes back this week with two catches for 20 yards. A 13-yarder and a 7-yarder. And he was not targeted. He was not targeted on the final drive of the game where they needed to go the distance. Gee, who's our number one playmaker out there? Hmm, I don't know. 13's pretty good. Let's throw it to him. He's the fastest guy out there. He's one of the bigger guys out there. And he's been known to make spectacular catches. How about we throw it to him? No. And by the way, at the end of the game, when Baker throws the ball into the end zone, and Joku, Higgins, and DPJ, Donovan Peoples-Jones, here's a required portion of the Hail Mary touchdown pass to win a game. You as a receiver actually have to turn around, see the ball, and try to catch it. Like, what are those three guys doing? Like, they're in the end zone, and none of them are looking for the ball. They're just like, run down there to the end zone. It's like Kevin Stefanski said, hey, everybody, go along. Go to the end zone. So they run to the end zone and forgot to look for the ball. Hello? Got to catch it. But they seem to have zero interest in catching the ball to win the game. None of them look for the ball. And just like you have to look for the ball, if you're going to catch the Hail Mary at the end of the game, you have to keep your eye on the ball if you are changing your health insurance. And who better to keep your eye on the ball or keep their eye on the ball for you than my friends at AUIinfo.com? Yes, that's a professional radio segue, my friends. They are also pros at AUIinfo.com. They'll help you big time. Whether it is as a business owner, getting great benefits for your company, whether it's as an individual, the companies that you're with, 
either as a business owner or as an individual. They love you if you just let it ride every year. Oh, I had that insurance last year. It's good insurance. I won't even check to see if it's still good insurance, good hospital, good copay, good doctor, good benefits. They love you because you're the easy customer. They never have to do anything to keep you happy. You shop price, you shop benefits, you shop all the nuances. Guess what? They're often motivated to give you a better deal. So let auiinfo.com, that's the website you go to, type in your questions. Here's what I have. Here's what I pay. Here's what I get. Just to find out if you're getting what you pay for, or if you're getting what you should be getting for what you pay, auiinfo.com. They'll line up benefits packages for your employees, bundle you with other businesses if you so desire, get you a better price. Individuals, they'll navigate healthcare.gov or your individual health insurance policy auiinfo.com. Okay, faith portion of the podcast. This will be repetitive to those few men among you who were at our church gathering on Saturday, where I talked a little bit about investing. Now, I'm not talking about monetary investing, but it is amazing to me how many parallels there are between good principles in monetary investing and fantastic principles when it comes to investing in your spiritual growth, okay? So one of the things that I used to do as an investor when I was young was I'd look for successful investors who'd made a ton of money, Peter Lynch, uh, others, and I would maybe buy their newsletter or look and see what they were buying. I read Money Magazine. I subscribed to, you know, those kinds of publications. Because you go to people who have proven themselves adept at what you want to be good at to become good at it yourself. You take their advice. You follow their lead. Well, what is the longest and, the, uh, and a couple other things in that realm? What are some tried and true principles in investing, right? Buy low, sell high. Have you heard that? Buy a stock low, sell it when it's high. Here's another principle that's a well-known stock investing principle, dollar cost averaging. Buy $100 of a stock every month. You'll buy it as it goes up. You'll buy it as it goes down. You'll buy it at all different rates. And you'll be investing over time, so you'll protect yourself. Instead of buying it at all your shares at $50 a share, you'll buy some at 50 some at 60 some at 40 some at 55 some at 65 And your cost will average out, so you'll be a little bit protected if the stock were to go down. Dollar cost averaging is a tried and true principle of investing. And then another great investment strategy is buy and hold. Buy a good company, look at the company, investigate the company, realize why the company's a good company, why you want to own that company, buy and hold. How well can buy and hold pay off? Well, buy and hold can really pay off if you pick the right company. Now, if you pick Enron, that's not a good company to buy and hold. You'll lose your shirt on that. But let's say that in 1997, back when Joe Germain and Stanley Jackson were fighting it out for starting quarterback at Ohio State, the year after the Buckeyes won the Rose Bowl, uh, with Joe Germain throwing the game-winning touchdown pass to David Boston, there were two companies that you may have heard of that issued an IPO, initial public offering. Those two companies are Apple and Amazon. Let's say you had invested $1,000 in each company in 1997. Their initial public offering comes out, first time they've ever offered stock. You want to buy a tiny piece of the company. You buy $1,000 worth of Apple, and you buy $1,000 worth of Amazon. 
what would that thousand be worth today? Buying and holding it. Your Amazon stock would be worth one and a half million dollars, and your Apple stock would be worth one point one million dollars. Buy and hold. I think Amazon's gone up one hundred and fifty-eight thousand percent since then. So buy and hold, pretty good, right? Okay, so let's extrapolate this over to the spiritual realm. What commodity has been in God's portfolio longer than any other commodity? Now you might say love, you might say holiness, you might say purity, you might say goodness, and you'd be right on all of those. Those are all characteristics of God. But another characteristic of God is wisdom. Wisdom. And Here's an answer to a biblical trivia question. You can probably stump people uh, on this one. What is the first thing that God created? The first thing God created. Now, a lot of people say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's what it says in Genesis 1-1. But in Proverbs 8, wisdom is listed as the very first thing that God created. Let me prove it to you. He says, uh, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I, wisdom, that's what he's talking about. So wisdom is a commodity God has held since the beginning. So when you think of it in terms of a spiritual investment, what commodity is God telling you to buy and hold? What should you esteem? What should you prioritize as an investment, as a spiritual investment? Well, the answer is in Proverbs 23, 23. An easy verse to remember. Just remember, it's the Michael Jordan verse, right? 23, 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. So, What God is saying is, when you buy the truth, you get wisdom, discipline, and understanding. It's a little bit like when you buy uh, Disney, you get ABC and ESPN and a bunch of other things, because they're all owned by the same parent company, right? So the parent company is truth, God's truth, and you get wisdom, you get discipline, you get understanding. And you say, well... How do you know I get it from God? Well, because it also says in Proverbs 2 that the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So if you want wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, where are you going to get it? You're only going to get it the one place that it's supplied, and that place is the God of the universe. You want to buy it and hold it and prioritize it and esteem it and exalt it and follow it. And if you would like to get it, truth, wisdom, discipline, knowledge, understanding in small doses every single day, dollar cost average it, buy and hold it, watch it accrue benefits over time in your life, then I can think of no better way than to prioritize spending five minutes, not even, 
five minutes a day in the book of Proverbs, because just like you used to, and I used to, go to the wisest investors for information on which stock to buy, which mutual fund to buy, when to sell, when to hold. If you want wisdom, why wouldn't you go to the guy who's known for having more wisdom than anybody ever? Solomon. King Solomon. What book of the Bible did he write? Proverbs. I know he wrote Song of Songs, but he also wrote Proverbs. That's where you get the wisdom. God gave it to Solomon. Solomon put it on paper. It's been preserved for thousands of years. Here it is. It's there for you. If you're floundering around in your life, if you don't understand our culture, if you don't understand how to bear up against our culture, how to stand for truth, what truth is, why wouldn't you go and read dollar cost average on a daily basis, five minutes a day, one chapter of Proverbs? It's easy. I do it every single day. It's the first of the month I'm reading Proverbs 1. It's the second of the month I'm reading Proverbs 2. It's the third of the month. What do you think I'm reading? Yes, Proverbs 3. On and on and on. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. There are, in some months, 31 days. If you want to skip the 31st chapter of Proverbs on the days where there are 30 days, go ahead. But if you're in there every day, you are dollar-cost averaging wisdom into your mind. You are buying the truth. And you are not selling it. You are holding it. And it'll pay a big dividend for you over time because you will have the wisdom to understand so many things of God, who he is, how to live, what to avoid, what to prioritize. It's enriched my life greatly. And just like I would tell my best friend, hey, you got to buy this stock, man. Like I'm crushing it with this. And just like a stock I'm crushing would lay up for me a secure retirement. There is nothing, nothing that could make my eternal retirement more rich, more robust, more meaningful than the wisdom of God that is available to be poured into our hearts and minds every single day. Sure, via the Gospels, of course, via the letters of Paul, yes, via the Psalms, and yes, via the Old Testament, but of course also via the book of Proverbs, which a lot of people just don't spend any time in, and it's a shame because it's so rich in its depth and so illuminating as to the mind of God and what he wants us to know and understand about him. So that is my encouragement to you as we transition into the end of a We Tackle Life podcast, October 11th edition. Send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com. Review the podcast on iTunes. Patronize our sponsors, hemispherecoffeeroasters.com, Willis Spangler Starling, willisattorneys.com, auiinfo.com for all your insurance information and guidance and direction. Wednesday, back with uh, more on the Buckeyes Big blast off against Maryland and their situation as they sail into their off week. We'll see if we know what's up with Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback. Joe Burrow's out of the hospital. He's been cleared. And Baker Mayfield and the Brownies. Thanks for your time today. Have a great day. Say a little prayer for my daughter tonight on senior night. Big dad night for me. Looking forward to it. Tell you about it Wednesday. Have a great day.